This is the Warriors Community Podcast. We inspire, equip, and empower others. We inspire by sharing our stories, our personal experiences, by asking questions and answering questions for other people. We equip by sharing our resources. What books have you read? Podcasts have you listened to? Even movies that you've watched? What tools have worked for you or haven't worked for you and why? We empower by walking through healing journeys with each other and just walking through life in general. We hope that by listening to this podcast, you feel inspired, equipped, or empowered. Now, not every podcast series is applicable to you, and we know that, but we hope that you are able to take something away from each podcast and hope that there is a series that really does speak to you and that you relate with personally at some point. We are in the enough series right now, but we are planning more series to come out with to inspire, equip, and empower. Enjoy the podcast. Before we begin today's conversation, I do want to make a brief disclaimer. Not all of the views, beliefs, and core values expressed by guests on this podcast necessarily reflect the views, beliefs, and core values of myself or the Warriors community. However, we at the Warriors community do believe that everyone has a right to speak up, to speak out, and to share their story. And with their story will come what they believe, what they think, and what they feel. So I hope you enjoy today's podcast. I hope that you walk away feeling challenged or feeling inspired, equipped, and empowered. Welcome back, Warriors, to a brand new month. I'm really excited about this month because we've decided to dedicate it towards personal stories. I mean, we talk about online, on social media, how important it is that we share our stories. And we've had that here and there, but we really want to focus specifically on individual stories for this month. This is a guest I've had on before. She was in our roundtable conversation, which was our first four podcasts of the Warriors Community podcast. And she's back now. I started with her to begin this month for a reason. During our roundtable, she was very quiet for the most part. She had some good input to say, but surprisingly, her story is very different from the rest of the women who participated in our roundtable conversation. But I also find her to be a representation of a large group of ex-members from the organization we've been discussing. And I just think she can speak to listeners on a level that I can't speak to or a lot of other people I know can speak to. So I'm very excited to have her back. Hannah is with us today. Hello, Hannah. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for coming back. I will say before we dive into our conversation, one thing that I really respected about Hannah was when we first reconnected several months ago. And and just to recap, I've known Hannah for many years. We lived together for a couple of years. We actually don't know each other well for having <laughs> <lived> together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for having 
uh, known each other for so long. So we've had a lot of learning that we've done with each other, but I invited Hannah on the podcast a few months ago and I sent her a few things that I typed up just to say, Hey, here's what we're doing with the podcast. Here's what the message I want to send is. And she was, I would say ballsy enough to reach back out to me and say, I don't know that I believe in the same things. I don't know that I agree with everything. So I just want to be honest and say, I, I don't think I can speak on your podcast because I don't think I align with where you want to go. And not only did I respect the fact that you reached out, but I learned a lot from our conversations. I've learned from a few other listeners who are ex-members of this organization who think along the same lines as you do or have been on a very similar journey that they're afraid to discuss it. So I want to talk about those things where you're going, yeah. I don't know what I think or believe or, hey, I like, I respect you, but I'm not, I, I don't, I don't really believe those things anymore. So thanks yeah. for being ballsy enough again to come publicly and have this conversation. Yeah. No, and thank you for like allowing this space to be made because especially when you've been in a cultish environment, a big part of my journey is I felt like my voice was stifled. So to be able to come out of that organization and have my faith evolve and morph, change, whatever you want to call it, to where I'm at now, like it just is so amazing to be able to sit here and have this conversation regardless if we have you know the same beliefs or like just we have shared experiences but so much has happened in 10 years so I just appreciate being able to have constructive conversations around you know topics that maybe not everyone wants to talk about I think a big part of the organization we were in again it really didn't allow for any differing voices you know I've been in a lot of environments like that in the church and, you know, community groups, small groups where to have a different voice, it's like, eh, you know, if you say it, if you're bold enough to say it, it's like, okay, you often feel kind of shut down and like, okay, let's get back on subject. So, you know, there's never, I don't feel like there's growth from that at all from either side, you know? So yeah, I appreciate just having open dialogue with people, even if we do have different um, outlooks on things, like if we're respectful, we can do this, you know, if we're open to growth or just open to saying like, oh yeah, well, we don't believe in the same thing, but Hey, that's okay. Like we still are moving forward with our relationship, you know, like, I just think that's really healthy to be able to have those types of conversations with people. Same. And I really enjoyed it, not just with you, but with several of the people who've come forward and said things like, I'm an atheist, I'm agnostic, I don't know what I believe, or I believe in God, but I don't go to church, or I believe in the gifts of the spirit, or they'll come out and say, I had one girl, and I couldn't help but laugh, I love her, she was like, I'm a liberal, I'm a feminist, I'm bi, and I'm an Mm -hmm. atheist, do you still want to talk to me? And I'm like, yeah, because- what what matters here at the Warriors community is your story. 
What matters yeah. is being able to share that wrestle, that that middle part of your story where you had trial and error, where you had success, you had fails. I think a huge problem with this organization, but in churches in general, quite often is you do have to think the same. Now in this organization, it was super intentional. Like you will agree or yeah. you're communicated, you're punished, you're a witch, the list yeah. one. <laughs> But sometimes I think churches have a good intention that is narrow-minded or ignorant, and mm. they can freeze right over different thoughts, perspectives, instead of allowing themselves to be challenged or allowing themselves to uh, be, be questioned. I think asking questions can be so scary. So mm-hmm. I like that, again, you were able to reach out and say, well, I don't know, this is where I'm at. And if, if you're not okay with that, then I will respectfully decline and still find a way to support you. So I'm like, man, I just think that's, I I think there's maturity in that. So for you, I guess you're welcome. I guess where to start is I remember you saying in a different podcast, you grew up really charismatic. Can you describe, I guess, if we could create a bit of a timeline of describing how you were raised and how, how (laughs) that translated into you being in this ministry we were in, I guess we'll start there. Yeah. So I grew up in a really big family. There's nine of us kids. So that's a big part of my story. We switched churches a lot growing up. I would say every few years. It was kind of based off of whatever my dad, he he was kind of the one pushing the change. Whenever he would go to a church and start hearing things that he didn't necessarily agree with, um, we would switch churches. Mm -hmm. And growing up, to be quite honest, he used the Bible in ways that he wanted it to. Like he, whatever his interpretation was, that was the truth. Whether or not the church was saying that, He was like, oh, you know, he used it for his own agenda. Growing up, there was this manipulation and there's this manipulation that was kind of lorded over our head growing Mm -hmm. up. So anyway, we went to Bible churches, they called them. We might've been at a Baptist church for like two weeks, maybe. (laughs) And then, (laughs) but we mainly were in very charismatic environments. There was one that I went to growing up where it was uh, very disorganized. There was never any order in the church. So um, it was in a Pentecostal church. It was. Yeah. <laughs> there were two that we went to growing up that were very monumental in my growth as a teenager. But yeah, mm-hmm. one of them was when I was younger. It was just chaotic, just all over the place. And they believed in the gifts of the spirit. So there were common, you know, outbursts of like screaming, falling all over the floor, running around the church for hours. Like it wasn't orderly at all. We left that church. I don't remember the order of events, but the last church that I went to as a teenager before going to college was another very charismatic church. There, there were a lot of very wealthy people in the community. This was a pretty buttoned up church. Like they believed in the gifts of the spirit and prophecy was really huge there and worship was really huge. So there were a lot of good things there, but overall the theme was kind of like the people who ran the church were very wealthy and they, it was just a very not that wealth is bad, but it was just kind of thrown in a lot of people's faces like, oh, we have all this money. And it was just kind of clickish. They pushed out kind of the people like my family who did not have money. You know, we were just kind of seen as like these weirdos and 
Or at least that's how I perceived it as a teenager. It just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth then. of like, man, like it's literally just about money for them. So that was up until college. And then that's, I ended up going to like a, it's not, hmm, <laughs> it's a Baptist church, but they're not as traditional. They're, I guess, more modern. So the not so Southern Baptist. Yes, correct. Yes. correct. We'll say um, that, Southern. not so yeah. Southern. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were a lot of young people and it was just a great community. But at the time I felt like they were lacking a little bit in like substance in terms of, you know, the the preachings. I ended up, that's when I got connected to the organization that we were a part of about a year into my college experience. So I was looking for something more, you know, I wanted that substance. I kind of already had a good community, but I wanted to be around people who were like-minded. So that's when I started searching for something else. And I believe I just found it through, I think someone sought me out. Like our campus was really small. So people from the organization would literally like walk around and look for people to talk to. Um, they would, I think and side note, we were told to. Okay, yeah. Way back in the day. I don't know if it, I think the, the last few years I was there, that wasn't as big of a thing. I don't know how it is now, but certainly when I first came in and like when you first came in, that was a mm -hmm. big thing. Go evangelize, go pray for people on campus, like bring them in. So yeah. they were probably sent to you. <laughs> yeah. Whereas me as this young, naive college student, I was like, wow, look at this chance encounter. But yeah, I think I think they were like searching us out. And I will say the the guy that initially found me, he was very nice and like welcoming. I don't and I will say, I don't know if he is listening. He's one of the only good men. <laughs> yeah. Like I look back on him and I'm like, I respect you. So if you're listening, I just like you know who you are. You're a yeah. good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, he ended up being one of the few that did have like just good character and mm -hmm. You could tell, like, no matter what changes happened in the organization, he was just steady and consistent mm -hmm. in just his character and his beliefs, you know, and he never morphed into this person that the leader wanted him to become. He was just himself, I feel like. And then yeah. I don't know if he was very active for much longer after I joined. Yeah, he went away. He moved. He, d he did Bethel, the okay. leader of Bethel, I think, and then stayed. He's still okay. there. So that's kind of what brought me in, just the one-on-one -on -one interactions. So it was a familiar, you grew up in this environment, mm -hmm. knew about spiritual gifts, you knew the, like you said, this other church you were in, you felt like they lacked substance. So there was something that you were used to and comfortable with. And this mm -hmm. organization appeared to have that. Is that, yeah. that sound correct? Yeah, like I could... <sighs> tell I think in one of our first conversations he was kind of tiptoeing around to see what I believed spiritually you know because yeah. I was on a, a in a Baptist environment so people were kind of like oh what can we say so we won't offend people yeah he when I found out that they believed in like the gifts of the spirit I was like oh yeah like that's awesome and I was hoping that it was an environment that was healthy and you know maintained you know a good order and Which as we know true. No, no, no. as we know that was not the case as I came to find out so yeah 
I mean, there's no order, period. Even if they were healthy, the, I mean, yes, charismatic churches tend to go over your time. You know, Baptists are real good at letting you out so you can go watch the football game and have lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Charismatics don't really care. Man, sometimes you would have, you would have worship or Bible studies that would go on for hours and hours and hours until midnight. And if you went home, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And then you would, you would have last minute important meetings that you couldn't miss and it was yeah yeah no no order and her home is she's a hoarder like Mm -hmm. quite literally a hoarder so even as far as physically how she keeps her home there's no order that was off topic but so like you said your dad would use scripture to his advantage or his interpretation seemed to be the interpretation Mm -hmm. Interesting you went from that to someone else who was like that. Because this the lead pastor, as we've stated over and over again, what she is God himself, because he just speaks to her. Have you ever made that connection before? No, (laughs) that's blowing my (laughs) mind right now. And it's funny because like, because my dad was like that, I was I always wanted a healthier I wanted a healthy male figure in my life and I did see that in my grandpa for sure you know outside of my family I was kind of always looking for that and seeing the leader of that organization next to my dad they're almost like the same person I'm just now putting that together I'm like oh man (laughs) like I was trying to escape that but I went right back to it you know but so. that's so true when you when you get into, I mean, I'm not a therapist or licensed in anything, but, you, you know, when you get into attachment styles, when you get into mm-hmm. how you grew up, like, it makes yeah. sense that you were drawn to the very thing you were trying to get away from. Yeah. Oh, and it, like, I just keep thinking about, you know, we were all so young and we talked about it in one of the round tables, but you know, our prefrontal cortex was still forming and we were just so, you know, vulnerable still. Like, I think people think, you know, by 16 or 18, you've got this, you know, pretty good head on your shoulders. We did, but there's still so much happening in your brain that really doesn't develop fully into like, what were you saying? Like 25 or yeah, you know, yeah. typically. So uh, it's crazy to see patterns play out that you are just like, oh my gosh, I would never would have intended for that to happen. You know, right. Here we are. <laughs> Let's go then from your experience in that organization to what you believe now. I guess let's start with this. What do you believe now? And then we'll go backwards and say, okay, here's how, here's the dots I can connect on how I got from point A to point B. It's hard. We were trying to talk through this, like before the podcast of like, how do I even explain this? Because I feel like my faith is always evolving. I wouldn't say that I claim any religious entity right now. I believe there are a lot of golden nuggets from a lot of different religions that have formed just over the span of time. So I still believe that there is a God, there is, you know, a higher being above us, or I don't know, physically above us or whatever, you know, (laughs) there's a higher being that is looking out for us and cares for us and loves us and has a good plan for us. And I also believe that this is where it gets really hippy dippy, but I just believe that like the universe and like the world, like the earth also play a part just because I've seen so many like amazing signs throughout my life that have happened like in these 
crazy moments that I'm just like, man, that was sent by God or that was God, you know, and it, some people may call it coincidence. Um, you know, I know a lot of science-based people who are like, that's just coincidence, you know, but beautiful moments where like yellow butterflies have always been really powerful to me. There have been like these deep, dark moments where they'll just appear out of nowhere, basically. And I'm like, what the heck? So I don't know. I, I feel like there's this connection to the earth and the environment that's bigger than we realize. And so maybe some Christians would be like, oh, that's like way too weird for me. You know, that's okay. But that's, I've always felt really connected to the earth and the environment. And so I appreciate a lot of Buddhist practices like, you know, meditation and peaceful, just like the peacefulness that you gain from that intentionality and So that's kind of all over the board, I guess. Overall, I feel like I've always sought peace in my life. Like that's the way that I hope to move forward as well and just connecting with different people. My approach has definitely become very open-minded and I love to speak to all different types of people from all walks of life because I think it makes the human experience just more beautiful. So that's how I approach like my faith journey or how I work out my faith journey right now. Just wanting to be a person of peace and but also like I love you know your warrior I don't know just like your goal or not goal lifestyle I guess um (laughs) that's I'm like a peaceful warrior I guess I'm not against fighting for what's right (laughs) so that's a long-winded answer but that's where I'm at now throughout my story little pieces kind of jump up that would explain that so would you identify as a Christian at this point or would you say "Eh, spiritual or a different name yeah I would say spiritual I do believe that there are a lot of really good morals from the Bible and there's a lot of um, practices that I still believe and incorporate into my life I would I think I would term it spiritual just because it incorporates some other pieces that maybe some Christians wouldn't be accepting of do you go to church at this point or no 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 okay And I ask you those questions just because, like I said, I I think there's a group of people, certainly from this organization, but like there's, there's a ton of people who have been hurt by the church or people Mm -hmm. who have just had really bad experiences or don't, they don't know what they don't know. There's so many different factors. So there's such a large group of people out there that I think you can represent, but certainly in this, in this organization, I'm. I'm amazed at how many people, and you were one of them, like you were on the mission field, mm-hmm. you've seen demonic stuff, like directly mm-hmm. demonic stuff. You've yeah. prayed for people, you've seen the gifts of the spirit operating and it works. And then sometimes it, it doesn't, you pray for someone to get healed and they don't get healed. You give a mm-hmm. prophetic word. And sometimes it's like spot on. Sometimes you get one and you're just going, nope, nope, not it. <laughs> yeah. You've seen that. And I think a lot of believers, certainly those who are in this organization, could sit back and go, What happened to her? She knows. She knows better. Yeah. I can hear them saying that now. Yes. <laughs> she knows what, better. <laughs> what you, yes. She knows. What would you say? What response would you give to someone like that? I would probably ask them, How are you so sure that what you believe is true? I think my faith 
evolution has come from, from asking questions and asking, okay, why do I believe what I believe? Is mm-hmm. what I believe even real at all? A lot of Christians term it deconstruction, where you deconstruct yeah. your faith, faith, whether it's, whether it's small aspects of it or the entire thing. And I think that term was coined uh, within the last like five years or so, maybe a little bit longer, but there's actually a book I'm going to list it now that you bring that up. There's a book that I listened to and I will say I listened to it on an audible. The narrator is a a little on the dramatic side for me. Okay. (laughs) The book is excellent, but the narrator was slightly annoying to me. The book is called when everything's on fire. I say that for you, but also for our listeners, because he addresses the deconstructing your faith so well he uses philosophy he uses history I mean it's just an incredible book that makes anyone whether you are a strong Christian believer or whether you're not at all it's just a very interesting factual book and Hmm. he really focuses on the deconstruction of your faith off and on throughout the entire book so I will post that in the description of this show just a side note I thought a good resource I'm all about equipping people with resources so can I ask you then at what point did you start asking questions was it in this ministry was it before you even got to this ministry in college and when did you finally go okay I I've got to deconstruct my faith. I had this realization the other day when I went to college, I was finally away from home. We were in a very strict household. Like we couldn't date. We couldn't listen to secular music. And so I had this moment the other day where I was like, oh yeah, like I started listening to like Usher in college. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, my mind was blown. I realized that this journey that, you know, young kids kind of end up going through in college Mine was kind of, I don't know if halted is the right word, but I went from this, I started to do some self-discovery and just, you know, venture out a little bit beyond what my parents had raised me with. Which is totally normal. Right, yeah. be concerned for someone who doesn't do that. Your parents and your leaders should want you to ask questions and wonder why you believe what you believe. Like, You can be told all your life what to think and believe, but it means nothing until it's tested Mm -hmm. and questioned. Pause. I know, I know you were so into that episode and I know you hate ads just like I usually do, but I want to take a second and tell you about the Warriors Apparel. Why Warriors Apparel? Well, it's to remind yourself who you are a warrior. If you would like your own warrior shirt, you can go to the warrior's Instagram, click on the link tree located in the bio, and you will find right at the top, remind yourself who you are apparel. You can choose from a hoodie, crew neck, unisex t-shirt, or a v-neck t-shirt. They come in two different colors and all the sizes. Go to the link in the bio on Instagram to purchase yours today. Now back to your favorite podcast. <laughs> yeah. And I think I didn't even have that opportunity to have 
some of those things tested until I was outside of the organization. Because, you know, as we explained, I entered it in, I entered into it pretty quickly. I felt like that self-discovery and the questioning and all that kind of halted. I went right back into a very charismatic and controlling environment. I think it was toward, it was like the middle slash end of my journey with this organization. I really began to question, you know, what's going on? Like I started going there with these high hopes of all the things that have been promised to me, community and um, just a healthy environment. And when I began to see that it was actually not that, but I really felt stuck in there. That's when I was like, oh, I need to figure out what I actually want to do with my life going forward. Because at that point, I was just about done with college. I did it in three years. Yeah, I would say toward the end of it, I started questioning. I was looking into an organization that also has a school of ministry. And I was like, you know what, I want to go there. And I ended up going. They had their first stateside school ever um normally they're over in africa and did the africa (laughs) oh i forgot about that yeah we both did it just different you were in florida right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i was in sarasota i think it was like three months maybe yeah and then we did a mission trip afterward so the organization we were in let me backtrack they were very missions focused we've talked about that and i was going to a church also in that town that was also missions focused. So surrounded by all of that, I was like, I think I want to be a missionary. That's why I pursued the school of ministry because they seemed missions focused as well. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to this school and they, at least mine, I don't know how yours was, but it did not end up being missions focused at all. And I think it's because, okay. Yeah. Yeah, They did Um, it excellent job at correcting what I think a lot of people's idea of missions is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 My experience was really healthy. Um, They were, they focused on the whole person, not just the spiritual person. And I believe that I had really begun to notice that in this organization that they focused solely on the spiritual person, not your body, not your mind. I feel like being in that school, even though I was in Africa and I went to that school four years after I left this organization. Oh, and I wept so many Mm. times because I was for the first time realizing like what you just said, how I I was looked at in this college or ministry as mm-hmm. a person and as opposed to a whole person. And so much of my theology four years later, I felt was corrected by this school that we both went to. Yeah, I, I had been longing for that because when I looked back, I was like, I felt like all of the churches that I went to really didn't focus on the body and the mind, they were focused on the spirit. So mm-hmm. um, I had been yearning for that. So when I got to that school, I was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, I cried all the time too. Like I was just experiencing <laughs> so much healing because I was seeing what 
Christianity should be like. You know, we should be going through just these deeper things that we need healing from. Um, and we are building this like really strong community. I mean, I was blessed with like, oh, the best house family ever. I think mm. oh, they were just so amazing. It was just what I needed. So while I was there, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I just started realizing when I go home and I'm back in this organization, I, I've got to get out. Like this is not a healthy environment. We don't have that community that we claim to have. I was seeing not only were our spirits, our bodies and our minds neglected, but I feel like they were abused in ways and our spirits too. But I mean, they focus so much on the spiritual that the rest, yeah, were completely destroyed. So anyway, that in that school, I was like, oh my gosh, when I go back, it's going to be crazy. Like I just knew it was going to be really hard going back and trying to leave. So So it took you going outside of the ministry Mm-hmm. experiencing a different ministry to go whoa yeah I think that's huge because like we stated before this ministry does not believe in seeking help from the outside so we've established already you know we don't go to the doctor unless you just absolutely have to go to the doctor and yeah I remember us being sent into the local hospitals to go into people did you have to do that go into hospitals and pray over people. Oh, no, I was terrified of doing that. I'm like, we're going to be kicked out or it's not going to work. A few times we got to where we had a reputation because we would go into these hospitals and just say, we're going to pray for people. And so we just, we, we don't, we don't go get medical help. We don't see a psychiatrist, psychologist, but also even to go to a different church, this is ironic and I'm taking this moment just to make this plug and connection. They would always talk about the importance of having a church home and mm-hmm. they would encourage you to go to church in town yet. They had their own Sunday school at a certain time when they still do on Sunday mornings. Sometimes it would conflict with the church services in the town and you mm-hmm. better be at that Sunday school. And then Mm -hmm. you can go to your church service afterwards, or you better, you know, you better come to what's going on in this organization before you go to something at your local church and they would correct and still do correct the pastors in town and try to tell them how to preach and teach and disciple their people. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you're really, your time in that organization is filled with so many meetings and trainings and and worship nights and Bible studies that you don't have time to go be involved in something from the outside. And it's set up that way, I think, I think intentionally. Yeah. Because so many people have said what you just said. When I got out and I went to this ministry or this school, I realized how bad and unhealthy it was over here. But you mm-hmm. don't have time to even know or think about it when you're in the spiral of that ministry. Like, what do you, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, a big part of that is because the leadership there has no accountability to anyone else. 
they are their own entity. That's that's so unhealthy. You need to have people above you who can pour into you and help you along your growth. And because they don't have that, they're never going to grow. It's actually just going to get worse. And we've seen it get worse. Yeah. For you, when you did get out and you were you were separated from that ministry, I know you ended up moving away. Was that really hard? Did you go through a period of what do I believe? What do I think? Am I that messed up? Yeah. So when I got back, I started going to the Bible studies less and less. Or if I did go, I would get there right when they were starting and leave kind of right after because I, I just, I needed to step away slowly, I guess. I was I was trying to, you know, walk on eggshells and one of the people started noticing me not coming around as much. And so one day I walk in <laughs> to the ministry before the Bible study had even started. And he started just reprimanding me about, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I forget what, just he hasn't seen me around. It wasn't like, hey, how are you doing? Like, are you okay? It was like, blah, 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 blah. You know, like literally pointing at me, getting angry at me. He was always aggressive. Yeah. And I do not respond well to aggression. So he was in my face and I kept backing up and backing up and he was pointing at my face. And all I can remember the very last part was, you need to get your butt back in church. At that point, I was just like, what church? What church will you even allow me to go to? You know, this church, this isn't a church. And, you know, at the time I didn't say any of that because I was afraid of what would happen because he was so aggressive and everyone else would back him up. But I was just like, are you kidding me? And that was what did it for me. So I I pulled away slowly. Um, I started working at a new job that I loved and started pouring into that place. And I, you know, slowly stepped away and I wasn't pursued as much as some of the other people who, when they left, I mean, you've even said, you know, they would come and rip you out of your bed and be like, Mm -hmm. you know, let's get over here now. I didn't receive as much of that. And I don't know why for, I'm thankful (laughs) that I wasn't, you know, hounded and stalked literally like some other people were, but thankfully my exit was semi easy. Um, I did maintain a little bit of a relationship with some of the people for maybe a year or two after that, but I just needed time to detach and really, what's the word, get away from that and just heal, I guess. Um, Because I had been in this school of ministry that was so healing, I knew, okay, I want to cling on to that still and focus on my spirit, my soul, my body, all of these things that make me who I am. So at that point, I think I did end up leaving my church as well. I just needed a clean slate. I just needed to get away because they were eh, kind of connected. I mean, it was a small town. Everyone knew everyone. Right. So I just needed that space to just think for my own and not be pushed around like I was and controlled. I mean, you know that. So yeah, that's when I really began to, to, I guess, think for myself and I ended up moving away from that town finally, and I guess, what was it, 2015? And I ended up going to a church that I loved, 
and then oh it's such a long story I'm like should I go into all the details um <laughs> did you go why I think that this practice from this religion is good or helpful and mm-hmm. did you feel shame about that did you feel like you were sinning or condemned like oh my gosh I like I'm drawn to meditation from Buddhism am I going to hell yeah work that out the so I ended up moving to Atlanta and when I went to this new church there that my friend had connected me to he was going there too I started to see like it was the best the healthiest environment I had seen in a church yet and I was like man like these are just kind of normal people like we do worship we have a sermon and then we go home and we had our little small groups they called them Um, house churches we did that once a week it was just a very practical church like it didn't feel like okay you're here and you're in church and there's a spiritual environment and then you leave like you know some churches you feel that contrast of like like how do we apply this to everyday life anyway this church that I was going to which is so practical you, you could apply it to everyday life I think moving to Atlanta did a huge thing for me because I was experiencing a completely different culture, completely different pace of life. I've always, I've always been one to just ask questions throughout my life. I like to know why things are the way they are. And I think that if you've ever heard of like the Enneagram, we talk about this a lot, or we've yes. started talking about Enneagram, this, but yes. I'm a number five. So I like to know why. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I thought it was such a bad thing. You know, when kids ask, well, why? Parents say, because I said so. You know, I just <laughs> always felt <laughs> like I couldn't ask questions. So yeah, I think just being in Atlanta really changed my perspective on life. I started to see a lot of like racial tensions that I had never experienced in small town Texas. You know, I started to be around a lot of LGBTQ people that, again, not really in small town Texas. I think those were two big things that I began to experience. And I've always loved a like colorful life. I love being around different types of people. I just think we can gain so much. But being in that environment, finally, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Seeing things with a new set of eyes really... I don't know. I think that's when I began to question a lot about my faith. And I'll say this too. So when I you know, was in this new environment at this church towards the end of my time there. So I was a house church leader and I was like doing a lot at the church. There was a really influential person at the church who had started doing podcasts and he started, he wrote a book and he became really vocal and he was asking, well, Hey, how do you guys view being gay? And our church at the time was like, they kind of didn't have a set stance on it. They didn't have a stance. So this person who was, you know, really vocal and passionate, he was like, well, you guys need to find a stance because if you're in this gray area and people who are gay are wanting to join the church, they don't know how, where they can fit. They don't know, can they be involved? Can they lead? So it became this really big discussion with our in our church meetings and in our house group meetings, especially being in Atlanta. They call Atlanta the San Francisco of the South because it is very <laughs> gay friendly. Our church, it, it took a while, maybe a few months of deciding what do we want to do about this? And they finally were like, you know what, we've 
because of this guy's questions, we want to make it clear. So they finally took a public stance and they said, we don't want anyone who is gay to lead in the church in any capacity, whether it's Sunday school, children's ministry, house churches. So they, they took this stance and I think it helped clarify things like this is where we're at, but it also hurt a lot of people who were already openly gay or questioning. Mm -hmm. So seeing all of this unfold, it really hit me at my core because some of my best friends were gay and I was just like, ah, it didn't sit well with me. You know, I was respectful though. And like, you know, a church can make their stance and stand by it. That's, I'm glad that they solidified where they stood, but also seeing so many people I loved hurting and kind of excluded and kind of kicked out of the church in a way, it was really difficult for me to see that. That's again, when I was like, man, like I've never felt like being gay was a sin. This church that I've called my home now is standing on this. And so that was a big, a big turning point in my faith journey because I was like, man, I think God loves gay people. And I think God wants a relationship with people who don't necessarily align with Christian values, you know, that's where my faith journey took a a big turn for sure. And, you know, this was over the span of months and months, just trying to talk this out with my fellow house church members. And it's a good story. I mean, that's a huge hot topic right now. It's hard because you're correct. God does love everyone. He loves even, you know, we're speaking out against this organization, but I'm speaking out against them knowing that God definitely still loves them and is for them as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I personally believe, I don't know what others would say, but I personally believe that even the lead pastor from this organization was called into ministry. I just mm. also think she's human and went in a direction that she should never have gone in. And so it, it, it gets tough and sticky when people start making stances or not making stances because out of fear for what someone's going to think or believe or offending someone. But absolutely. I think God still loves even rapists and pedophiles and that might be gotten for, <laughs> for others. But I see where that for you and for so many others was really difficult. And honestly, it should make you contemplate what you think and believe, no matter what side of the coin you end up on. Mm -hmm. I I think that's so good as far as what I'm hearing in your story is (laughs) so important to ask questions and know why. If you're Mm going to believe something, know why you believe it. Mm -hmm. and it should come with testing. If we were yeah. going to wrap up this conversation and you want the listeners to walk away with one point, with with one solid thing, what would you want them to learn from this conversation? I would say that questioning is never a bad thing. I question when people don't question. <laughs> you know, people <laughs> people who have stayed with the same church their entire lives or the same organization, or the same beliefs their entire lives. I think questioning 
actually helps you grow. I'm not even saying you have to change your beliefs or anything, but if you've never come to a point in your relationship that you're questioning anything, like I would look into that. Why have you never questioned what your beliefs are? Because something, something else is going on behind the scenes that yeah, shouldn't be happening. I think I would, I think questioning things are, are, it's really healthy. And I think healthy leadership, one thing that I've definitely appreciated about my current job is my boss now. He is totally open to questions. It's made for better leaders. Now, I think healthy leadership even should allow that, you know. Well, and I love the stance that you take just in closing. Again, I think you're a representation of a large group of people. There's room at the table for everyone. We, You and I were going back and forth voice memoing a few days ago. And that was something I said, there, there should always be room at the table. And mm-hmm. your story is your story. Everyone needs a space to heal and process in question. That's a big reason why I wanted you to come on and speak your piece and your story, because I know that there's so many people out there who are questioning or, or they kind of have a middle finger up towards Christians and it's mm-hmm. understandable. But I also think if, if we begin this conversation here with your podcast of how people are getting from point A to point B and what do they want and what do they need? I think that's a mm-hmm. good conversation to have. So I would encourage those who are listening to continue to ask questions. You can obviously ask questions on the Warriors community social media. We have a Warriors community Facebook group where it's not just posts that you can like, comment, and share, but you they're interactive. You can make your own post and ask a question or share your story. And someone like Hannah is Hannah is in that group. So there may be a listener out there who feels the same. Well, you can make a post and Hannah's here and she can respond. Having those conversations are really healthy and important. So thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. I I think having conversations that are hard is really good too. Things that are more sticky topics or talking through our our hurts in the past and how they've morphed us into who we are now. I am definitely a huge advocate for therapy and seeking help processing these things. We've talked about that before. I love therapy. So yeah, I would say these are all healthy things. It's not bad to deconstruct it's not bad to ask questions so that's where I'll leave that that's so good thank you for your time of course everyone in the next podcast we have Rachel back with us very different story but good story